This is the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller. Welcome to the Miller Report. I'm Suzanne Miller. The Miller Report is a weekly podcast hosted by WABC. We talk to leaders, power players, CEOs about real estate because real estate is the single most important investment anyone could make in their lifetime. Today, we have with us a leader of the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce, Randy Peters. Randy was born and raised in Brooklyn and has lived in five different neighborhoods across the borough. He holds a bachelor's degree from Brooklyn College and an MPA from NYU's Wagner School of Public Service. Welcome, Randy, to the Miller Report. Thank you, Suzanne. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Seems like you've done this a few times, huh? <laughs> well, it's always fun to be uh, on podcasts and on radio and so forth. So I appreciate the appreciate the opportunity. That's fantastic. I'm also a Brooklyn girl, so I got a lot to ask you. All right, what's the neighborhood, Suzanne? Though we got to start with that. Oh, uh, well, I actually was born in Canarsie, 86th Street, L and M. So Suzanne, I was uh, I grew up in Canarsie. I'm a South Shore High School graduate. I was uh, me far- too. No yeah. way they closed that school. It was the worst school in New York. <laughs> I grew up on Remsen and Farragut. Oh, that is so funny. All right, so I, I like you already. <laughs> Great. So tell me about the five other neighborhoods you lived in. So when uh, I actually we we initially lived in East Flatbush, then we moved to Canarsie when I was was relatively young. I got married the uh, first time uh, and I moved to Windsor Terrace mm. and I was in uh, Windsor Terrace for a while uh, and then moved to uh, Gerritsen Beach briefly and then bought a home in uh, Marine Park. Oh, that's awesome. Me too. Are you following me? <laughs> there you go. No, we moved to Bergen Beach after Canarsie. We, we, we upgraded. There you go. So t- tell us for the audience, because I and I'm sure, but I think people might want to know, what is the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce? What do you do? What's it about? So the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce is the borough's uh, business association. I like to say we're the, the voice of the Brooklyn business community. Um, you know, we've been around for over 100 years, 105 years to be exact. Uh, we do four things, promotion, support, advocacy, and convening. You know, promotion is really just about telling the story of our, our business members so that they can get more exposure and uh, do more business, sell more products and services. Support is all the technical assistance programs we run. Uh, we have some innovative programming in the financing space. We are, we're a micro lender. We actually have our own community development financial institution. Uh, we provide um, business technical assistance support through the Business Solutions Center. Uh, advocacy is is just as you would think, our ability to really uh, engage policymakers and elected officials on issues and concerns that impact the business community here in Brooklyn. And then convening is is really a little bit unique to the Brooklyn Chamber, but you know, it's about bringing people around the table for meaningful discussions. And in some cases, we do this around uh, industry sectors that uh, we coordinate. So tourism in Brooklyn, for example, uh, we manage the Tourism Council for the borough. We've always played a role in uh, manufacturing. Uh, we have a very vibrant uh, energy committee, especially now since uh, we're, there's just going to be so much change in the energy space. Uh, and the conversion to renewable energy. So, you know, we've got a lot going on here at the Brooklyn Chamber. We just launched a retail store uh, in uh, in May, uh, the Brooklyn Made Store, and it's really to promote and support 
uh, Brooklyn makers, designers, and small business owners so that they can get products on shelves and they can get more exposure. We're running it out of Industry City in Building 5, and it's really about uh, promoting these makers, mostly from communities of color. So we're really focusing in on BIPOC uh, you know, uh, makers who, who need this type of exposure. So we have a lot going on here. Uh, and uh, but the main thing is we are uh, the business association for the borough. That's that's amazing. And Brooklyn is like the largest borough, right? I, I think when I was in Israel, they said all of Israel is the size of Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. So Brooklyn's the the largest county in New York State. Uh, you know, if, if we were our own uh, a city, we'd be the fourth largest city in the United States. We have almost two wow. Almost wow. 20 million people who live here. And and by the way, we have 62,000 businesses. So, you know, we uh, it's a small business economy for the most part. Uh, 84% of those businesses have less than 10 employees. But um, but yeah, we are by far uh, the largest and most vibrant of counties in New York State. So uh, let me ask you something. What do you think, of the, have been, what do you have seen as the biggest changes you've seen in Brooklyn? Like I was on the morning show on WABC yesterday and Sid asked me what I thought was the most up and coming area. And I have my answer in Brooklyn. What do you think? What, what's your answer? I mean, there is no one answer. I mean, first, first a little context, right? And Suzanne, you and I grew up in, in Brooklyn and, and, you know, I don't know how old you are, but I grew up seventies, eighties, nineties. And, you know, the Brooklyn that we grew up in was a very different place. And, um, you know, arguably, you know, we were once a, a manufacturing town through World War II, we were the fourth largest manufacturing center in the United States. And then like, uh, you know, large manufacturing cities uh, after World War II, it started to decline. And we saw a lot of blight. We saw a lot of uh, uh, middle class flight from, from a place like Brooklyn. We saw uh, urban decay. We saw increases in crime. And, and arguably, we had uh, not such a great reputation. But Brooklyn did have two things, uh, two advantages uh, that enabled it to really pivot by the mid-90s into 2000s. Uh, and number one was the fact that we had our own branded identity, right? So people knew Brooklyn, they knew New York City, and they knew Brooklyn. Now, I, like I said, it had a it had a negative connotation at one point, but uh, you didn't have to point it out on a map for people. If, you, if you're an economic developer like me, uh, it's easier when you start with a place that everybody knows, because then it's about changing the narrative. And in some ways, you know, if you think about something that was dangerous, became edgy, and then became hip, right? So there's an example of, you know, just working the wording around certain uh, parts of Brooklyn, and there's change. But the other thing we had, uh, and this really is the heart of uh, of the change, uh, is the fact we had all this uh, former heavy industrial space that could be converted, right? So if you think of, uh, you know, places in, in North Brooklyn, for example, places like Williamsburg, East Williamsburg, uh, where you've had a lot of industrial space, uh, much of it is now residential, high-end residential, right? And um, you know, and we've seen that play out in in other parts of uh, Brooklyn as well. Uh, and it's that type of uh, adaptive reuse and 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 conversion of, of these spaces that has that has fueled a lot of the growth in Brooklyn. So population growth uh, and just change overall. So you so know, I, I'm specifically asking Randy, Adam, because it was such a big area. Yeah, right. Which neighborhood do you think has the most growth? My answer would no. be Coney Island. I think Coney Island is going to no. be on fire. It's beautiful. What where do you think has got the no, most growth? No, we we have a very clear in the real estate sector, we have a very clear 
narrative. Uh, there's a North Brooklyn, South Brooklyn divide. And, you know, loosely speaking, uh, I will say, you know, the, the neighborhoods of Greenpoint, Williamsburg, to some degree, Bushwick, certainly Dumbo, uh, and downtown Brooklyn have fueled most of the growth. And, and it's still, and those are still from a real estate perspective, the hottest neighborhoods uh, in in Brooklyn. Now, there's a lot of up and coming communities. Um, I'm very bullish on central Brooklyn. Uh, you know, places like Bed Stuy, I call it the heart of the heart. We've seen a, an absolute renaissance uh, in the in the commercial sector, uh, and a lot of it is fueled um, by you know black owned businesses. There's been a renaissance in in black owned entrepreneurship, uh, mm-hmm. and that's been good. We've done some work there in Bed Stuy, places like Tompkins Avenue with the Open Streets program. It's the hottest open streets in in all of New York City. Any given Sunday, 3,000 people descend on Tompkins Avenue. Now, I am bullish on on Coney Island. I will will say there's there's an interesting challenge right now with Coney Island. A historic challenge is that it's always been a seasonal destination. But, you know, there's a a competition right now for three casino licenses. Yay! I I want to hear about that. Tell me. (laughs) So... Uh, there, you know, the state, um, the state passed uh, uh, a law that allows for three uh, full casinos uh, here in downstate. Now, downstate includes places like Westchester. It includes all of Long Island. So it's not just New York City. But, you know, we've got two. We've got a Racino at uh, Aqueduct currently, and we have one up in, in Westchester. So the the, the prevailing uh, thought here is that two of the licenses uh, could go to the existing racinos. Now, there's debate about whether that's going to be true or not. But if you if you just take the 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 worst case scenario for a place like Coney Island, um, you've got one, you'll have one in Aqueduct and you'll have one up in Westchester. That only leaves one remaining casino license that's up for grabs. Uh, we have a, a proposal on the table. Uh, it's the Coney. It's called. It's it's uh, led by Joe Sit, who has the property uh, directly across from Nathan's. It's a great site. Um, and uh, it's got some really good partnerships that have been lined up. Uh, the Chickasaw Nation, which actually runs the largest uh, casino in North America in Oklahoma, uh, Saratoga Gaming, um, and uh, uh, Legends Entertainment. So it's a it's a good alignment of partners, and it's the only Brooklyn application that was submitted. So that's wow. good. that's good for a guy like me, the Chamber of Commerce president, because I have no divided loyalties here. I can I can get behind the Brooklyn proposal as I've been early early on and out front about that. Uh, but you know we're competing against big guys in Manhattan. Uh, the Caesars of the world, the wind, uh, wind of the world, and and others. So um, there's about five or six applications that have been filed for Manhattan. They don't have a lot of political support, uh, so that's good for Brooklyn. We've got uh, better political support, uh, but you know, I think there's been there's you know the community uh, the community outreach has to matter at this point. So you've got to get the community on board. Uh, I know the team that's working on the proposal has been out there. Uh, and really, you know, uh, educating the community on the benefits. Uh, for me, it's pretty clear. It's about jobs. It's about opportunity. It's about making Coney Island a year-round destination uh, and not just a seasonal destination. Uh, it's about transportation and infrastructure improvements that will uh, inevitably follow uh, from such an ambitious proposal. Uh, but mainly it's about the full-time uh, employment opportunities that are really going to benefit residents in in the local area. Uh, and it's just going to add to the allure of Coney Island and to the attraction, uh, the entertainment attraction and value. Because it's not just a casino, by the way. It's a it's a it'll be a it'll be a hotel and it'll be an indoor entertainment venue and there'll be ancillary retail. So it's a it's a pretty ambitious project. So 
And this is going to be next door to, it's going to be on Sitz property? Joe Sitz property is approximately five acres. It sits directly across from Nathan's. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's, uh, if you can go to the Coney.com. Mm -hmm. I think I'll have to check as .com or, or dot, dot .org. Or, and what do you uh, think, Randy? What are our chances? I mean, we're the underdog for sure. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But you know what? Brooklyn's always been the underdog. And uh, we find a way to kind of win in the end. So I'm I'm optimistic. Okay. And you're you're supporting it? 100%. I've been supporting it uh, even before the uh, formal application process kicked off. I, I you know, Coney's a, Coney Island's a great community, but it's seasonal. Uh, and the people who live there uh, deserve an opportunity to really have uh, year-round employment opportunities uh, and economic opportunities. Uh, opportunities that are going to follow well let us know because i'd be happy to um back you anywhere we can we're sure. representing the um the one surf beautiful building on the ocean and yep. you know i know the developers would be very interested in standing behind this because i think it's a great thing for the neighborhood as well it will bring jobs and people want to live there it's already great but that's I'm hoping that this happens. Uh, let's talk about some other projects in Brooklyn. What what are other some big projects that are developing now in Brooklyn? Can you share? Well, I I, I want to uh, yeah. I mean, first I'm going to start. You know, two years ago, the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce actually moved its headquarters to uh, Industry City in Sunset Park. So. Uh, you know, if you've if you haven't been to Industry City, uh, or maybe you haven't been to Industry City in many many years, uh, you know, six million square feet of heavy industrial space. So this is a lot of of what I talked about earlier in terms of the narrative. But Industry City has truly become the creative uh, economy heart for Brooklyn. Uh, they've transformed the, you know, the the investment team here, at Jamestown, Belvedere Capital, and a group of other investors that came in about nine years ago. They've done uh, amazing, amazing work transforming this old, these old industrial buildings that had solid bones, uh, but really into uh, creative economy hubs. So we've got. On the ground floor, we've got the amazing, amazing retail, Lilac Chocolates, the Hotties has an outpost here. Uh, we've got the Brooklyn Nets training facility is here. We've got West Elm that just opened. You know, we've got the Brooklyn Maid Store, as I mentioned earlier. We've got restaurants and bars, the frying pan, Fort Hamilton Distillery. But above uh, is all the other types of businesses. So you've got you know, uh, tech businesses, you've got marketing firms, you've got biotech, uh, you've got uh, makers, and, and you're still doing uh, manufacturing. Uh, so 7,000 people work here now. We've got over 800 businesses, all have come in within the last, you know, uh, eight years. Uh, and it's truly, truly a, a sort of work play environment. So, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a place of employment. But it's also a, a tourist attraction. Uh, you know, you come on the weekends and you're going to see many tourists. We've got Japan Village. We've got a whole Japanese village here uh, that includes food. It includes home home goods. It includes a maker market. Uh, it's pretty extraordinary. So I would I would say uh, top of my list of Brooklyn development uh, sites that are exciting uh, is right here at Industry City. And we still have two million square feet to go. We've got two million square feet to build out. Uh, so more to come. Uh, NYU is is going to come here uh, with their films, their film school. Um, so the Scorsese Film School. So there's a lot of great things happening here in Sunset Park uh, and in in uh, at Industry City. That's great, and we certainly have a housing shortage. So we'll. Um, I so hope you build some residential there. Yeah. So Suzanne, with the, so Industry City is no residential. It's it's still uh, commercially zoned. But um, but let's talk. I think it's a. I think we should talk a little bit about the housing challenge. 
challenge here because, uh, you know, we had a very disappointing legislative session uh, on the state level this year. We were hoping um, that we would see a um, uh, some sort of replacement for the 421A program. Now, the 421A program, I think you you know this, but it uh, it's... Oh, the, yeah. Yes. Uh, I know all about it. I'm sure a lot of your other uh, guests have spoken about it. Yes. Uh, and it was the the key incentive program that enabled us to to build and to yes. build affordable housing in particular. I mean, we couldn't even pass the uh, extension of the uh, the old 421A development deadline, which is set to expire in 2026. Right. So so that alone uh, was a very disappointing indicator of where things are standing on the residential side, on the policy side. Right. So 2026, we've got you know buildings that won't be completed, so they won't qualify for 421A unless there's legislative action that's taken. There's about 36,000 units citywide that get caught up in, in that alone. You know, so here we are talking it's outrageous. about- Outrageous. It's outrageous. Yeah, it's outrageous. It's, and, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about this, this crisis, which, by the way, is, is, is further, uh, you know, exacerbated by the asylum seeker uh, challenge that we're facing. Yep. And, uh, and we don't even have the tools in place to encourage uh, additional development. So, you know, like just from a supply and demand uh, scenario, we, uh, we're, it's all demand and no supply, unfortunately. So, you know, un- until our, our, our leadership and our elected officials can get together, and really have a meaningful conversation about what uh, what tools need to be in place to to spur additional development. I think we're going to be stuck for a while. Maybe we could take some of the offices or commercial space and reallocate it, repurpose it to residential. Can you think of any buildings like that? Yeah, so very few in Brooklyn. Um, it's more of a Manhattan uh, a scenario um, now. Mm-hmm. There's a the flip side of this is that you know Brooklyn's economy has rebounded um, quite nicely since COVID, um, right. and, and and in part because we were not overly reliant on workers coming back to office buildings to help support like our small business economy, right? So this is a very unique challenge for Manhattan, um, and it is uh, far from uh, from uh, uh, over. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it's it, the challenge is, is just deepening um, and it's not good for New York City overall. But we didn't have that specific challenge here in Brooklyn. So there are very few commercial buildings uh, that you can convert or office buildings in Brooklyn that you can convert. You know, just the flip side, our downtown, downtown Brooklyn, which uh, is extraordinary how far our downtown Brooklyn has come. Uh, you know, it's really a, it's it's a mixed use uh, downtown, which insulated it uh, from some of the worst effects of COVID. So, you know, when we passed the downtown Brooklyn rezoning, you know, uh, almost two decades ago, uh, it was going to be to really facilitate commercial development to become sort of the back office mecca for Manhattan. But it didn't play out that way. It played out that that more residential interest uh, was. Oh, my God. Um, you know, no, we were the we represented downtown Brooklyn by Barclays Center, yeah. uh, John Casamitidis building. We sold those out like in four months. We rented 400 apartments waiting list. You can't get an apartment downtown Brooklyn. Everybody wants to be there. All the young kids, they come here. That's where they want to be. So you're doing something right. People are very attracted to Brooklyn. They'd rather be there than Manhattan. They think it's cool. Their friends are there. The bars are there. The restaurants are there. They all want to be together. Yeah. And and downtown has has, um, sort of developed quite nicely, but it, it certainly has been fueled a lot by the residential. Now, there are some 
The good news is there are some, uh, you know, new commercial buildings. One Willoughby, for example, mm-hmm. but they're 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 leasing out. I mean, c- commercial space is is also leasing here in Brooklyn, particularly in downtown. So we're not looking to do uh, many, if any, office uh, conversions because uh, we just right. don't have that type of inventory. Uh, Manhattan, though, uh, hopefully we can see some movement in Manhattan yeah. because we're, it's going to be. We're, we're 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 working on that. Yeah. So, Randy, I know, and it's sad to me because everybody I talk to on these sh- on this show. Has- has the same complaint about New York in particular, not just Brooklyn, but, you know, we're faced with the challenge of crime and homelessness. So I'm sure you could, you'll agree that this does affect the quality of life and in business, particularly since you're involved in this. What do you think your organization can do to help with the solution? So, so crime was uh, is, is gotten a little bit better this year. Um, that's I'm, I'm proud to say that we've got a, a mayor who who was not afraid to talk about the challenge. I mean, in the past, we've had leadership that ignored the challenge. Um, I would I would say though that within my world, um, organized retail theft has definitely become uh, a new phenomenon. Now, this is this is a retail theft that focuses on items for resale, right? So these are not you know people who, who are coming in and stealing essential items. Items because they actually need it for themselves. But this is organized retail theft where they're, you know, pilfering, you know, an entire store or or types and then of reselling it. You can and go for up to a thousand dollars, get whatever you want, yeah. and then go uptown and sell it. Right, and that is that is a, that's a relatively new challenge. It's a, it's a wow. significant challenge for my world, for my constituency. Um, you know, there aren't a lot of easy answers there. I, I do serve on the mayor's uh, retail theft task force, um, and you know, but there's a lot of competing. There were a lot of competing priorities in the public safety uh, arena, right? You had, you know, a rash of subway crime that we had to tackle. You've had issues around illegal cannabis. Uh, it will never get. We'll never get legal cannabis fully off the ground if we if we uh, if we can't crack down on illegal cannabis and almost every smoke shop has it so you know how you had a lot of these different competing public safety issues that were all sort of coming to a head at the beginning of the year you know we are we are tackling them um, but organized retail theft uh, still has a long way to go and uh, you know we've seen some some good strategies uh, in certain corridors that have business improvement districts for example uh, they can't hire necessarily security but they they can hire uh, community ambassadors. They can put up cameras. They can do other things like that uh, in order to. No, try- cameras are not legal in supermarkets. You can't put cameras now. No, you, I, I know, but you you can you can put them uh, outside on the facades and and you know to monitor street activity. Um, just and, terrific. And the bids can can spearhead some of that too. So, Randy, I'm just curious about your day. Like you have all these things you do and it's like it's 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 overwhelming. So as president of the Chamber of Commerce, like how do you set your agenda? Like you wake up and you're like, today I'm going to talk about crime. Today I'm going to talk about casinos. Like how do you pick your priority and set an agenda? I think the audience would like to know. Um, it's it's challenging. Um, you know, we're we're into a lot of different things. Um, you know, part of my my day is is dictated by things that are just going on in the borough. I'm a very strong believer in part of my role is to really show up to things, right? I can't, you can't do this role behind a desk. Uh, if you truly want to represent your constituency, in this case, the business community, you got to be out there. You got to be understanding what's happening on the ground. You got to be doing commercial corridor tours. You got to be showing up at community events. Last night, I was at uh, a Borough, <laughs> Park, Borough Park JCC barbecue, for example, 
the day before, you know, I, I we actually have an international division, so we do some work internationally. I visited the Pakistani consulate to say wow. farewell to the to the Pakistani uh, consul general, who's got promoted to ambassadorship. You know, so part of my day is just kind of driven by things that are happening in the community. Um, you know, and part of it is we also run a, a 35 person organization uh, that you know we have a great team here, um, and and my role is to help guide that team. So. You know, it's not just me, um, but you're right. I do have a, a busy, a busy agenda, busy schedule. Um, sometimes it gets upended if there's a big announcement happening uh, in the borough, like a couple of weeks ago when we were announcing uh, some transportation infrastructure improvements for downtown Brooklyn, and I went to join my good friend Regina Meyer to sort of announce that stuff. Um, so yeah, it, it could be anything on any given day. Uh, but the beauty of it is, I also get to see all 51 neighborhoods uh, in, in uh, you know, in, in in real time. And uh, and they're extraordinary. This place is a, a very special place, Brooklyn, and I'm I'm proud to be able to represent it. Me too. I'm a Brooklyn girl. I want to shadow you, Randy. Can I come <laughs> shadow you? You can any time. Sounds great. So, but I but I I'm being a little selfish because here at Empire State Properties, which is my brokerage firm, mm -hmm. we recently took over the uh, John's building on Coney Island, which we love the building. We're, we're really yeah. renting these apartments, like we did twenty last week, and people are asking about the ferry. Yeah. I know it started, it stopped. Tell us really what's happening with that. Yeah, I, so. It's an it's an EDC question. The ferry was supposed to be on the uh, the bay side, not on the on the seaside, um, and it was it was scheduled to go. You know, I I, I look. It's it, I, I I hesitate to weigh in on on the debate about where the ferry stop uh, should should have should be. Um, it's it's a bit of a challenge, if in my opinion, uh, to get even from you know, the, the Bay side to the amusement, amusement district to where John's building is and other, and other spots. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough one, but, um, you know, the ferry system is a great system. It, it, it works in New York city, but it's heavily subsidized. Uh, mm -hmm. so, you know, there's a lot of considerations that, that need to go into play. Uh, my gut is, and this is me speaking, this is not me uh, having any inside information. My gut is that, uh, you know, EDC will do a thoughtful reevaluation of, you know, whether where it should be placed, whether it's seaside, if it's possible, uh, because I think that that's ultimately a better thing for Coney Island. Um, Me but, too. But um, but but we'll see. We will see. We'll see how it goes. Well, hopefully you can help us. Um, changing gears a minute, being that we're both Brooklyn kids. There's been so many famous artists and performers in Brooklyn, probably more than anywhere else. Like I'm proud of my Brooklyn accent. It's like like Barbara Streisand, Mel Brooks, Jerry Seinfeld, Neil Z Neil Diamond. What is the Chamber of Commerce? Irving Berlin. Don't forget, don't forget Irving Berlin. Uh, exactly. So, what does the Chamber do to promote all of these arts in Brooklyn? It's interesting. Um, you know, we coordinate the Tourism Council for Brooklyn, so there's a direct connection uh, between some of our cultural institutions um, and and the work that we do in the tourism space. Uh, in a in a small way, at the Brooklyn Maid Store, we have our own little art gal gallery. We call it the Corner Gallery, uh, and we hosted. You know, we, we're only two and a half months open, but we, when we opened, we had a, a a wonderful Brooklyn photographer, Malik Cumbo, whose uh, work was on display. Uh, and now we've got some graffiti art that is up um, that people can come and see. Uh, you know, we um, we do support some of our independent artists. Um, mm -hmm. But from from a big picture perspective, you know, arts and culture 
is part and parcel uh, of, you know, connected to the economy. Uh, so we're here to be the booster uh, for for artists and for culture across the borough, uh, so that uh, you know it's 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 promoting Brooklyn in the best possible way. Hey, it's the it's the 50 year anniversary of hip hop. There's a lot to talk about there too. Uh, you know, um, and we play a supporting role uh, when it comes to really uh, helping and supporting the uh, the arts and culture uh, throughout the borough. Well, I don't really have any more questions, Randy. I I love that you support Brooklyn. As I said, this is Brooklyn is is my home, and I wanted to keep growing. And thank you for coming on the Miller Report. I will help you any way I can to get the word out about how fantastic Brooklyn is. It is the place to live. And um, don't forget to all my listeners to download and subscribe. And thank you, Randy, so much for coming on the Miller Report. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you. Thank you. Dear listeners, thank you for coming on my podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please download, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Bye.